As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris, Bertiroli joining us, I think momentarily. Lots to get to on this episode. We had a fantastic NL wildcard game last night. Chris Taylor and the Dodgers walking off the Cardinals in exciting fashion. And yes, the Eagle has landed. Bertiroli is here. Hello. Hi guys, um, what's going on, Britt? You, your shirt looks like bricks. Are you wearing a brick shirt today? It really does, and it's actually green, and I have no idea. Why. <laughs> oh, it's some sort of green screen thing. Um, Very cool. You know what? It might be. Um, no, it's actually just a plain green dress. I'm uh, getting ready to go to the Astros White Sox game one, which I know we're going to be digging into to previewing that. Um, what a game last night, huh, guys? incredible effects on the the live stream if you're watching us live thanks for joining us get the questions going we'll answer as many of those as we can that game was fantastic i the whole time was like no Britt's gonna be right i I was (laughs) i was very nervous for extra innings i was gonna pop a a bottle of uh, lagavulin open for uh, a late night pour of whiskey if uh the cardinals won because i was gonna have to contemplate everything cardinals brewers (laughs) i just couldn't i couldn't do it but uh it was. I mean, it was a great game. Adam Wainwright delivered. Chris Taylor obviously was the hero with the walk-off home run late. Cody Bellinger getting a couple steals off of Yadier Molina. There was plenty of drama, plenty of twists and turns. The Cardinals had opportunities. I think I heard Brian Anderson say they were 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position when it was all said and done. So they had their chances. They they went toe-to-toe with the Dodgers and unfortunately just couldn't get that, that go-ahead run across late. But I, I think the interesting thing for me Coming away from this game, there's one decision that I'm I'm very curious about. I hit you guys up in Slack as soon as it happened. It was the decision that Mike Schilt made to let Adam Wainwright hit. Harrison Bader got hit by a pitch in the sixth inning, top of the sixth inning. There were two outs, so Bader on first. He let Wainwright hit with the Dodgers two, three, and four hitters coming up in the bottom of the inning, and you know Wainwright just hit a little soft roller. Inning ended. He didn't get blown up when he came back out, but he also didn't finish the sixth inning. That that was the inning in which they had to go to the bullpen anyway. And I'm I'm wondering if if process wise, 
if you guys were on board with that decision to leave Wayne right in, to let him hit in that situation when you know, scratching out a possible go-ahead run would have changed the complexion of the game. Obviously, we're evaluating based on on process and not outcome here. Uh, Britt, were you okay with Wainwright hitting in that situation and staying in the game? I was okay with it because they weren't doing much offensively. There was a runner on first, right? So it wasn't like there was a guy on third or even second, I think probably would have changed the complexion of what they would have decided to do there. But Wainwright, I know they had a lot of guys in the bullpen. However, Wainwright was pitching really well. He was cruising. And I think when you have a guy like Wainwright, you want him to go as deep as you can, no matter what your bullpen looks like. So I was fine with that move. I know the whole third time through the order, we immediately have to take him out. Um, I, I don't agree with that. I think there has to be a balance between numbers and what you're seeing. And to me, you look at the, the pros and the cons, and they probably weren't scoring that runner from first. They had left already, as you said, they had struggled with runners in scoring position. What were the chances that they were going to score that run from first had they pinch hit? For Wayne Wright. Pretty slow. What do you think, Eno? <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. Uh, let's see here. Why it's, though? It, it wasn't the uh, worst uh, moment of the game uh, from a win expectancy standpoint. That was Turner grounding into a double play um, and uh, Tyler O'Neill striking out against Kenley Jansen. Uh, those were those were bigger plays, but uh, it did reduce uh, the Cardinals' uh, chances of winning by nearly four uh, percent at a time when the game was uh, a fifty-fifty game. Um, and then you just know that, uh, like, if you know if you're Schilt and you know that, like, the next sign of trouble, Wainwright is out, because that's how it turned out, right? Like, that's that's what happened is that there was a tiny bit of sign of trouble and Wayne Wright was out. If you know that, then you have to use like there were a bunch of players on their bench. They never used like that would have been better hitters than Wayne Wright in that situation. If you, if you think you're only going to get one or two or three more outs from Wayne Wright, then it's worth having a real batter there because pitchers are terrible now. So the other question, and again, we're evaluating on process, not results. Dave Roberts took the ball from Max Scherzer pretty early in this game, but was that the right call? Was that the right way to go based on how that game was flowing? We'll send it back around the other way. I'll let you go on, on this one first, you know. Uh, it was, I thought it was kind of funny because uh, <laughs> he went out there and like uh, asked for the ball and Scherzer gave him his hand. Give him a handshake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is great. Um, I'm not as sure about that one. Um, one thing is that the the research uh, that's out there about like whether or not a pitcher is dealing or struggling, it's it's not very predictive. Um, at the same time, uh, Scherzer's command was not at its best. He had four strikeouts against three walks. Uh, he was kind of struggling through it, um, and. I could see I could see the argument for it. The one thing is it made sure that Bruzar Gratterall was going to pitch in this game. Uh, because if you take that Scherzer out that early, you can't just ride the sort of Trine and Jancy, Jansen Kelly uh train for the next five uh inning uh, five innings, you know, like it, there's too many outs there. So Bruzar did his job um and uh and you know made it through and, and Kelly was was good enough and uh, Knievel got his big out, um, but um, 
it did mean that they had to use their lesser relievers. And you, you wonder, you know, the value of Corey Kniebel versus Max Scherzer. You know, kind of like, well, maybe leave Scherzer in there. I would have left him in there too. I think, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I've watched him. I've covered him. I've talked to him. I've spent a lot, a lot of time with him. The Once he struck out, as someone pointed out, he struck out O'Neal. He was, that was probably his best sequence of the night. He was looking like he was riding the ship. I think at least he deserved to finish that inning. We're talking about, we're not talking about your third starter, your fourth starter, yeah. your regular seventh inning guy. We're talking about Max Scherzer. I would have let him, I would have let him continue to pitch. Um, I think these managers, um, unfortunately, are so often, you know, Dave Roberts, they're, they're so afraid to, to lose the game by a decision that's not backed up by, by numbers or statistics. So they'd rather just do the, they'd rather just pull him early so that people aren't saying, oh, he didn't go to his bullpen quick enough, right? I think they also anticipate the outcry if it doesn't work out. And I think that factors in, especially in these one game, only wild card games. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us know at this point, though, these are these are group decisions. This is not in the hands of Dave Roberts and, and right. Mike Schilt entirely. These are informed decisions where they've gone through scenarios. I would hope every organization has gone through the various scenarios for an elimination game, especially of in this scenario, we're going to make the move to the pen. You know, I'm sure the Yankees went through it with Garrett Cole. They had a threshold of when they were going to pull him in the wild card game. Taking the ball from Max Scherzer, I'm not sure there's anybody in the entire league. It'd be harder to walk out there and take a ball from. So Dave Roberts just moved up a couple of spots on the managerial rankings for even doing that. Like, <laughs> don't you just want to take him out between innings so you don't have to walk out there and take the ball from him? Like, Isn't that what you're hoping for if you were managing Max Scherzer? I thought, what did Baker, Dusty Baker say? I just looked at him in his brown eye. <laughs> just looked at one. So the, uh, the interesting thing here with the Dodgers, last season, did the postseason shows at night, and I felt like on every time we talked about the Dodgers bullpen, it was, uh-oh, Kenley Jansen doesn't look that good. Uh, Kenley Jansen, what are they going to do in the ninth inning? Can he they, looked good. He looked, he looked really good. That looked like a, a vintage version of Kenley Jansen, maybe even a better version of some of the older Kenley Yeah, Jansen because he had more seen. pitches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not just throwing the cutter anymore. I mean, I do think that he doesn't command the four seam and the slider as well as his cutter. Uh, and I think you could even see that in the outing. The, he sailed a couple four seamers. I think those were four seamers that were like the the announcer said it was a cutter, but the the one that like was like f- like a foot and a half above the strike zone. I'm pretty sure that was a four seam. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think he's better now in some ways. If he's going to throw 94 mile an hour cutters and then also have a four seam, a sinker, and a slider that he can throw on you, uh, that's a, a lot of different looks. And he looked. I mean, I thought. I was like, wow, like maybe I haven't seen some some Kenley Jansen recently because last time I saw Same. him, he couldn't he couldn't <laughs> command those pitches. And he, I don't remember him throwing like this hard. He looked really good. It's a good question here from Nate. Did the Cardinals struggle against high velocity? It feels like based on watching them all year and this game exemplified their struggles. It wasn't something that we discussed yesterday. The, the main story that actually held up pretty well was Wainwright and the curveball and the Dodgers struggles against that particular pitch. The Dodgers didn't do damage against Wainwright and at this secondaries in this case his his cutter and his two seamer are really effective uh, shout out to Pedro Martinez for always being good on the post game by the way I love his his breakdowns and just having him as part of the, of the coverage that we get uh, this time What's, of year especially uh, what, what do we say is we're gonna do research on the pod in front it's live research time it's the most what's exciting that? thing on television and this is even really television <laughs> wow. so what's high velocity What's the cutoff? Plus? 
Yeah, 90, 95, 96. Yeah, I think 96 is probably a good cutoff. Let's do 96 by team, by slugging. All right. Chugging the machine, chugging the machine. I like that you're adding visuals to this. Britt's gone to the green screen shirt approach. Eno's dancing on screen. It's so weird, you guys. It's incredible. St. Louis was 23rd in baseball in slugging against 96 plus fastballs. Uh, the only thing I'd say is Dodgers were 22nd. Okay. Well, so neither was necessarily, but the Dodgers weren't facing high velocity yesterday. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I look at this Dodgers team and it feels like they they belonged, obviously, beyond the wild card game the entire time. I, I feel bad for Britt that it didn't work out because it would have been an amazing call if they had pulled it off. It was close. It was very close. The fact that they're even there, I think, says a lot about just how much they exceeded our expectations as a show collectively. But Dodgers Giants, I started thinking about this a little bit last night. It was, it was a last night baseball reference deep dive. I didn't realize just how much those two teams beat up on the Diamondbacks and Rockies. Yes, the Diamondbacks and Rockies are bad. We know the Rockies, especially the, the Diamondbacks record was horrendous this year. The records against those two teams, the Giants were 32-6 and six against those two teams in the regular season. The Dodgers were... 29 and 9 against those two teams. These are great teams. This was this isn't my way of saying, oh, the Dodgers and Giants are overrated. To me, it sort of it softens the these two teams had the best record in the National League and now they're playing in the LDS round. Well, yeah, they do have the best records in the National League, but they beat up on two probably they bottom had, three teams in the National League. They had the, the Orioles. <laughs> right. They had they had two, they ver- had they had their two own versions Orioles. of the Orioles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm Dodgers Giants out already, and that series hasn't even started yet. Wow, it's going on tonight, guys. Let's but but they've never they've never tonight. played before in the postseason, Britt. I know this was all everybody wanted, and like we're already <laughs> start talking about it, and they're not even playing today. Let's talk about the games going on tonight, guys. Let's give a little uh, love to <laughs> the the early Astros White Sox games that no one seems to care about. The games at, at three o'clock local today and one o'clock tomorrow because you know it's not nearly as big as. Tampa is this, Bay is this like part of them Boston. like still punishing the Astros? Like, why do the Astros always get the early game? Didn't he, uh, Bregman even talk about this before? Yeah, no, it's, and not, yesterday, it's not that. It's not that at all. Go ahead. It's Brie. the Boston Yankees thing. It's, it's, yeah, it's Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, but I guess they always have these day games because everyone in Houston yesterday was like, "Oh yeah, we always play postseason day games." It's like so weird. Um, so so weird. But anyway, what do you guys got on tonight? I, I mean, it's the first game, the first division series game. Shortly coming up here, um, we've got Larusa Dusty Baker, which you know is going to be come down to some epic decision on either side that's going to be scrutinized, probably on Dusty Baker's side. Um, what do you got on this? Uh, what do you got on this? You know, let's hear a prediction. You can't pick both teams. You know, you have to pick one team. Uh, well, I'm uh, the king of waffles, uh, so I, I've got uh, I've got two things for you. I picked the Astros because. Uh, I'm a stuffist, and Lance McCullers has more stuff uh, than Lance Lynn. And uh, I like that, all that contact and that lineup from the Astros. But I did want to point out that there is some predictive quality to the uh, the how how hard your 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 starter pitched and how hard he threw his fastball in his last outing. And Lance Lynn uh, has in his three of his last four outings had the hardest fastballs uh, of like the last three months. So Lynn is actually peaking at a good time here. 
Um, but I just, I think of that Lance McCullers curveball and slider combo. And uh, I think it's pretty nasty. And you're talking about a right-hander who throws crazy good breaking balls against a righty heavy lineup. I kind of think Lance McCullers is going to shut him down uh, for four or five innings. And then they're going to find a way through the next four innings and, and win this game. I think that's a very believable script. Uh, I think it really does come down to that curveball with McCullers. If he has that working, it's going to be tough for the White Sox to do a lot against him. And then if if they can get him out of the game in five innings or less, that could swing things a bit in their favor. Because I would agree with the relative take that the the, the Astros bullpen is the place where you're a little more likely to get to them. Like they are a little weaker in the bullpen than they are in the rotation. I love Javier, though. I know, but you, you can't pitch all the relief innings, right? So. <laughs> right. So yeah, if it goes five, Javier for maybe for two, and then you you then you're like leaning pretty heavily on uh, on Presley and Stanek to get the last. You got right. they have Grave, to kind of Graveman. come through. In Graveman, Graveman, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, I'll agree with the king of waffles uh, on, on this one as far as how the <laughs> script is likely to play out. What do you think, Britt? Um, I think. God, all three of us are in agreement, which is super boring, but oh, I think the Astros are going to win, uh, which means that White Sox fans start penciling in the W now. Um, yeah, I can't. I got to go with waffles. I got to go with waffles. <laughs> can we get, the, the key is now that we're doing this early in the morning for you guys, like, can we get a waffle sponsorship? So that oh, yeah. See, that and, was the long game right there. <laughs> we do need a waffle sponsorship would pair nicely with the coffee that I've been drinking, too. So all on board for that. And uh, waffle sandwiches for the win. We can make some really good waffle sandwiches if we get a waffle deal. <laughs> uh, I think these teams match up really well. We talked about this, I think, at the end of last week because we knew this was a matchup that we were going to get. And I think with the White Sox, they can, if they see trouble with Lynn or any other starters, they can go deep enough in their bullpen where they can throw nasty pitchers at you and still have plenty of weapons left the next day. I think that's part of what makes them so yeah, dangerous. That's, I think that's what's difficult about our plan. If like McCullers goes four or five and then Javier goes all those and they use all of their guys, and they used all their guys and that's all the guys they've got. And then in yeah. game two, I might switch over to the White Sox because not only will the relievers be more fatigued, maybe some of them won't be available because they went two, um, and maybe the starting pitchup matchup will, will favor the Astros. So I kind of think they'll split the first two. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's interesting though. Yesterday I was, I was talking to Astros GM James Click for 20, 30 minutes and we were kind of going through the pros and cons of both teams. And it's very, very obvious who has the edge here, like in certain categories, the White Sox, certainly the bullpen, but the Astros defense, we talked about the Cardinals defense enough. I didn't realize until he mentioned it yesterday that the Astros defense is right behind the Cardinals. Yeah. They're really good. And so could that, as we've seen in, in postseason games, defense matters. So could that be something that potentially helps the bullpen and kind of swings the momentum the Astros way, especially because Houston has home field advantage. They've always played well in Houston. Um, I think, that's not something we've previously mentioned. And you go back and you look at the numbers and their defense is really, really good. I think that was, was second best by outs above average as a team. Yes. Uh, yes. Look at the question from Sam Chess uh, might be might be relevant here. I mean, yeah, it's, a gr- it's a great it, question. So the question is, how many errors does Eloy make in this series? The White Sox are a minus 39 in defensive yeah. run saved this year. That's 26th in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's it's like a little unfair because it's not just it's just not him. It's not just yeah. him. You know, it's it's uh, <laughs> yeah. Eloy is not minus thirty nine. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Correa said yesterday on the podium, trying to be nice about it, like you know, 
we, we know that we only gave a team 27 outs, which was clearly like, hey, we know the mm-hmm. White Sox defense isn't very good. Are they going to try to expose it? They make a lot of contact, right? So it's an interesting matchup. It's going to be fascinating. So well, you saw you saw like Seager kind of double clutch that that ball last night. Um, and Sosa. You know, Sosa bobbled a few last night too. I was a little surprised by that, but then DeYoung comes in and makes that great leaping grab. Um, and I guess Sosa's uh, bobbles didn't quite hurt him as as, as bad, but um, you know, having the having the defense there just means uh, you're not going to give them a big inning. You know, you're not going to give them more chances at a big inning. Um, so I think that's. Uh, it is a a different uh some we're having some pushback here from the readers that you know it's not exactly been the same defensive alignment all year uh fair. because of their injuries which is fair yeah oh, absolutely hungry right. ghost festival chimed in that McCullers and Javier is a nightmare game for Chicago I think hungry ghost festival is my favorite handle I've seen on the live stream so far I appreciate everybody who's been here for each of the first three shows <laughs> but uh, I hope the hungry ghost festival is actually an EDM festival and I hope to attend that festival one day because it sounds like it's awesome <laughs> glow sticks baby oh you, you really don't realize I love glow sticks like, I can't <laughs> really? even, you wouldn't think I would but I love them Wow. Whoa. Low sticks and waffles. This is my show. Yeah. This, is, this is actually what I'm all about. A couple of good points here in the stream. Jason puts this out there as the other way to read the you know uh, teams against the Rockies and Diamondbacks is that those teams' records are deflated because they face the Giants and Dodgers so often. A little bit of a chicken and egg argument there. Definitely think that's a good point to bring up. And then, of course, this one from HGF. I saw yesterday the Rays were 18-1 and against the Orioles beating horrible teams when you're supposed to is how you win 100-plus games. I think that's true, too. You make your layups when you're a great team, and that's part of what gives you that separation. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I like that Stephen comment right there. <laughs> Some great oh. comments today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I moved to California. I love glow sticks. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Me. Well, Such a stereotype. We should get to the other game here, and there's some other cool stuff in the stream that I want to get to. Not as cool as glow sticks, but great comments nonetheless. I want to get some thoughts in here about this Red Sox-Rays matchup, the uh, second game tonight, part of the, the glow stick part of the evening. So we saw Boston do something they didn't do throughout the season consistently. They played really good defense in that wild card game. And you can close the gap on on your previous defensive struggles, either because of alignment or just playing well for a stretch, right? It's just one of those things that can be kind of a high variance at times. Make big plays when you need to, and it ends up working out. I think the Red Sox 
they were the more dangerous matchup for the Rays all along because they don't strike out as much as the Yankees do. So I think this does put a little more strain on the Rays pitching. We talked about that young core in the rotation. It's another no-name bullpen in Tampa Bay, unless you're a Rays fan or you're a fantasy player who's been chasing saves in that pen all season long. As we get more details about the rosters, G.D. Martinez on the roster for Boston. Matt Barnes is not. So I think I said yesterday we'll probably see less Matt Barnes than we thought. I didn't think we'd see zero Matt Barnes in the ALDS. Yeah, didn't they say Martinez probably won't play tonight? I don't know if they have lineups up yet, but I'm assuming he's not available tonight. But having him on that roster could help later in the series. I think this is Tampa Bay all the way. Um, I know the games were close that they played this year. Much has been made of regular season and the fact that, well, Tampa beat them, but they were close games. Um, I don't really know how much that factors in at all. I just think the Rays are a well-oiled machine and they've played good all year. And this Red Sox team, we saw the best Boston Red Sox team that we could have possibly seen in that wild card game. If they can play like that for an extended period of time, this could be a five-game series. But I just think you look at Tampa Bay and no, not only a no-name bullpen, but like a no-name rotation. They got a whole bunch of rookies and just like guys who haven't started. And it's just so Tampa Bay to me. I think you look at all the arms they have at their disposal. Uh, you look at the fact that the lineup just going to keep coming at you. Like they don't have that one. Or, again, they don't have the one or two stars, right? They just have a deep lineup. Um, I think Tampa Bay is going to win this. I'd be surprised if either one of you went Red Sox, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say anyway. I mean, I, I I wrote a piece today about how awesome Shane McClanahan, Shane Baz, Luis Patino, and um, Drew Rasmussen are, and uh, I'm a big uh, a big fan of that rotation. Despite them being green, uh, I do think that they have uh, excellent stuff, and um, I think that if there is a Tampa Bay type, there's like this uh, we're they're grooming like four inning uh, fastball breaking ball guys, right? Four inning, five inning, 80 pitch fastball breaking ball guys that kind of describes all four of them to varying degrees. And, um, you know, it does depend a little bit on that bullpen coming in for another four or five innings after it. Uh, but they've sort of proven themselves on that one. Um, I was a little surprised to see uh, that Peter Fairbanks's numbers, his stuff numbers were back up again in September um, I, I was surprised to see Andrew Kitchers throwing 97. Um, uh, so maybe I'm a little wrong about this bullpen and it is just as good as last year's, in which case I think that they can go to the, the, uh, world series again. The, the one thing that as I am the king of waffles, the one thing I wanted to point out, it was very interesting. The savant has a, has a, a stat cast game preview. And if you click on it right now, it just has the lineups. Um, and it, and it's like colored red where, you know, someone's good and, and, and blue where it's not. And all the red is on the Boston side. Uh, at least when it comes to things like exit velocity, hard hit rate, expected slugging, that sort of deal. So they have a ton of hard hit rate. They have eight guys and this is counting Martinez. So I think Martinez does matter a little bit, uh, to their chances, but eight guys with a hard hit rate above 43, which makes them red. The Rays have four. So they have double the guys that can hit the ball hard. However, uh, the Rays are really fast. Did you realize that? I guess that's kind of obvious. Is that, that the obvious? Rays are one of the faster teams or fastest teams in the league? Yeah, yeah. especially now. 
especially now that I wasn't, weren't the Cardinals one of the faster teams? Yeah. yeah. And they got eliminated. So, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a, if, if, if the Rays were fast and made a lot of contact, then I'd be like, oh, this is a slam dunk, you know, cause they'll make a lot of contact. They'll run around the bases. They'll pick it cleanly on defense and they have the better pitching staff. Uh, but the, 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 there is that chance that the Red Sox just hit the ball really hard. They, when they make contact, they hit homers. So that's, that's, that's the Red Sox chance right there is hitting the ball. Damn hard. Wicked hard. Sorry. Wicked hard. It's, uh, it's McClanahan. a when you McClanahan. try to talk about Boston. It's McClanahan versus Erod is the pitching matchup tonight. We've talked about Rodriguez as someone who's pitched better than the actual results. The underlying numbers are, are good. So I think he could maybe hold his own in this spot. McClanahan, I think, keeps getting lumped in with starters of, of Ray's past who don't go deep. When you look at the game log for McClanahan, he's gone at least five innings for each of the last, every start for the last two months, except for the very last one of the regular season. He went three against the Yankees that last time out because they were probably just kind of resting him for the postseason. So I do think he's on the short list of guys they might push deeper into a game if the situation is right. Yeah, which could help because I think I mentioned in a previous show the fact that they have far and away the, the fewest innings out of a starting pitcher. Someone mentioned Glass now being gone, and you know that is unfortunate because they don't have those built-in at least like five-inning playoff guys quite as much. Uh, that could end up being a factor, maybe not in this round, but I think in the next round if that bullpen has been kind of pushed to the brink. Um, I think we saw a little bit of the fatigue factor for the Rays bullpen last year in the World Series too. Tom House was talking on Twitter last night about how uh, fatigue doesn't always show up in velocity. It shows up in command uh, first. And uh, that it can, I think, it'd be huge in in October where you, you, you they leave you in because, hey, he's still throwing 95 or whatever, you know, and then uh, you leave it middle, middle. And, you know, major league hitters, if, even if it's 95, if it's middle, middle, they can hit it. So uh, that that also lines up with kind of, uh, just as an aside, some of the stuff research we did, which showed that stuff was a stickier year to year than command. And I think that stuff basically you have until you have a major injury, you know, like if you lose two minutes, if you lose two miles per hour of your fastball, something real bad has just happened. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, but if you lose the ability to place it, that's like, Oh, you know, I'm a little sore. I'm a little tired. I'm a little this, I'm a little that. So that's that's kind of my working understanding of how stuff and command work out. So yeah, if they work their relievers really hard in this in this round, it does make them slightly less favored favorable in the next round because those relievers be more likely to to give up something in terms of uh, placement. And I think if you are the Rays and you're the Red Sox and you have designs on advancing, you're probably rooting for the White Sox over the Astros just from a how worn down your pitching is going to get over the course of the postseason. I just think the Astros give you the toughest combination of at-bats on the AL side. That's why I think the Jays would have been so dangerous if they had made it into the wild card game, if they'd started to advance because they're built so much like Houston offensively, it creates a lot of the same sorts of problems. You want teams with swing and miss uh, if you're going to lean into that strength in your bullpen the way that the Rays tend to do. It is prediction time. You first, King of Waffles. Uh, who are you going with in game one? Um, I've got uh, the Astros. Is that what you're asking? Or the we already other did, one? We already did that one. Yeah, we got that you're one. Talking about Red Sox, Rays? Yeah, we're all, uh, yeah, we're all on the Astros tonight. But Red Sox, Rays. 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 Um, 
I don't know. Eduardo is mostly Eduardo Rodriguez is mostly about command. Um, and uh, I just I think that they'll, they'll get to him. They've got some righty bats, and yeah, raise two. Raise. Oh come on, we're going three for three again. Derek, you can't give up on your team. You were in on Boston in like spring training, and I hounded you and said you're wrong. You don't know anything. Yeah, um, you called me a jabroni, uh, you or you called it a jabroni such, pick. I think such a great word. It's fantastic <laughs> usage, really. I think the reason why I'm not on the Red Sox at this point is probably some of the reasons people didn't believe in them in the regular season. I saw them as the third best team, I think, in the AL East, and that was the outlandish <laughs> statement back in March. I think that probably holds up. They're absolutely good enough to win. They're good enough to win the world's... Like, anybody in the postseason right now is good enough to make a run. I think we all agree on that. But I think the Rays just have so many things they can do to beat you. And I think the big difference for me, this year's Rays versus last year's Rays, Wander is up. And they added Nelson Cruz. So yes, the the K rate is still high relative to other playoff lineups, but I think they have a lot less swing and miss in key spots than they had a year ago. And I think that makes their offense a bit more dangerous. So whatever they've lost in that group of relievers, if they've lost anything, I think they've more than made up for it with what they've done, adding Wander, calling up Wander, and then trading for Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz at the plate, just looking at his StatCast numbers, Almost looks exactly like Raphael Devers. Pretty nice to get a bat like that uh, yeah. at the deadline, right? Because yeah. clearly, like that's a nasty lineup, especially like the top five, top six for Boston. But I think the Rays actually stack up more favorably offensively than they would have at any point in their past. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you can put together an interesting... I think they're kind of more interesting from the right, right-handed right side. Uh, this Rays team. Uh, Yandy Diaz puts together incredible at-bats. He's not necessarily the hard-hit king anymore, but in terms of walks and strikeouts, uh, he's going to be a really pesky guy. Nelson Cruz swings from the right side. Randy Rosarena swings from the right side. Um, and you know, getting those guys in their best position to hit, uh, I think, is is great. Uh, is Wander a, a switch? Why is that not in, in my head right now? Is Wander? Yeah, yeah, he switch hits, right? I think so. It's a machine. Yeah, he's a switch hitter. So, of course, I think that's a, that's a pretty fearsome foursome uh, to put in the middle of your lineup. Um, I know that it's not great for somebody like Brandon Lau or Austin Meadows, but um, you know, one of those guys will probably be on the bench uh, to start this game, and that's a pretty nice uh, piece to bring in off the bench. Yeah. So, one last comment that I thought was interesting from the stream, Ryan. Putting, out, putting this out there, the Red Sox needing Sale on the final day hurts them for this series too. Absolutely. You'd rather have Sale going than Erod at this point in the series if that were an option. So tons of great comments throughout the show. Keep those coming. Come back tomorrow, 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Twitter. You can find Eno at Eno Saris. You can find Britt at Britt underscore Drolly. I am at Derek Van Riper. Be sure to barrel up on that like button if you watched us on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast version, please take a moment to leave us a nice rating and review. We'd greatly appreciate that. You can also get 50% off a subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. That is going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Friday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.